man. All right. Well, thank you, Anthony Pinto, from being on the show. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, first of all, welcome. Welcome, welcome. I thank you for taking the time and thank you for your service. You're in the Navy right now, right? I am. Yeah, yeah, I am. Active in the Navy. Mm-hmm. Wow, thank you. And today is a special day for you guys and everybody that's a veteran. My dad was a veteran. I greatly appreciate your service because it's something I would not do. I greatly appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it's my honor. Truly, it's my honor. It's it. It's interesting. I totally forgot that today was Veterans Day until today. So, um, <laughs> yep. no, I appreciate it. I'm definitely uh, definitely feeling the love all the way around. But yeah, I, I appreciate it. And um, you know, I, I I didn't really do that much so far. Just a submariner. There's definitely more people who deserve that. True. but I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. So a little bit about Anthony before we get started. Anthony is a submariner, like you mentioned, and he went from zero to eight units in six months. A lot of people don't achieve that much or less than that in that time frame, which is phenomenal. But now Anthony is focused on bigger deals, smaller to mid-sized multifamily units. So Anthony, can you uh, tell the listeners a little bit about your history and how you got into real estate investing? Uh, sure. Um, so like I said, I'm, I'm active duty uh, submarine. So I've been in for about five and a half years. Um, I got off my sea tour on the USS Albany, which was in Norfolk in uh, November of last year. Um, and uh, about that time, like September of last year is when I kind of realized I didn't want to do, I didn't want to be a submariner for 20 years and, and get out and retire. It just wasn't for me. And so I, um, I started doing a lot of research and, and, what I could do afterwards to continue to make money. And I stumbled upon uh, real estate investing as, as one of those methods, side hustles, if you will. And uh, I just started reading a lot of books, and, you know, typical rich dad, poor dad. Uh, that kind of opened my mind to, to real estate investing and really investing in kind of that entrepreneurial mindset in general. And then I also read Set for Life by Scott Trench, uh, who's uh, the, um, now the uh, podcast host for Bigger Pockets, Money Podcasting, what's called. Yeah, so I read his book, uh, which opened my eyes up to house hacking. I never really thought about, you know, being able to buy a multifamily property and live in it and rent the other units and pretty much live for free. Um, so those two combined books uh, started doing my my research a little bit more. Um, that was about September, October timeframe. November, the day before Thanksgiving, uh, I got off my boat and, uh, you, know, you know, basically told my wife, like, hey, we're going to buy a property and we're going to live in it and we're going to move in like a month, which, as you can imagine, went over well. Um, and so, you know, it took her a little bit of while to get around, you know, get used to the idea. But, um, so that would have been on a Wednesday. I got off next Monday. I went to my first meetup in the area and met my real estate agent who helped me buy my first few properties. And, um, I like, I knew, I knew exactly what I wanted. I knew I wanted the quad. I knew I was going to use my VA loan. Um, and I knew I was going to house hack it. So with those, you know, kind of criteria and framework in mind, you know, I went to her, I was like, hey, this is what I want. And then we started looking at properties in the area. Um, and, you know, it really just depends on the area that you live in. If you're, there's going to be a lot of multifamily properties, uh, smaller multifamily specifically. So it happened to be that Norfolk and the Hampton Roads area in general has a multitude of multifamily properties, um, smaller triplexes, duplexes, quads, they're just all over the place. Um, and so, you know, we had you know, probably about 10 that we you know, really looked at and then about three that we actually like went and drove around and looked at. And, uh, finally we uh, found this place here in, in, uh, Portsmouth, um, which is, uh, about two minutes away from where it worked. And, um, it was, it was very overpriced, which is why it was still on MLS. 
Um, we were uh, lucky that it was still overpriced because the owners were very motivated to, to sell the property. It had been about two years it'd been on the market. And um, so uh, went in a con under contract on it, took about uh, for 310, original price was 350. Um, got into the last week before we were supposed to close on it. And the, um, the VA appraisal, which is, uh, the VA appraisers are notorious for being um, extreme, extremely diligent in their, um, you know, in their inspections and what they actually need fixed. So there's a number of different things that they need to get fixed. Um, and so, and then finally the last week he came back with the actual appraisal and it was uh, $23,000 less than what we had the asking price for Right. So I was like, oh, shoot, like uh, I have to now make up this 20, almost 25 grand, you know, chunk of money and gap that so that so I can buy it. And um, so I was scrambling around trying to figure it out. And the owners came back and said, hey, like, you know, if you pay closing costs, we'll go with 287. So I was like, OK, you know, that's still like that's still seven grand that I wasn't expecting to have to pay. Um, so, you know, in the, in the end, it worked out really well, got about $63,000 off the purchase price, which is, uh, about 20% off the original price, which, uh, was, was a steal. Um, so, you know, we moved in in, Jan in February, uh, been living here ever since, uh, we rent out, uh, two of the units and, uh, Airbnb, uh, the last one. Um, we're actually just uh, packing up our stuff to move to Japan. So it's going to be three units uh, that are going to be rented out and then. Uh, the last one is going to be for travel nursing. So it's going to be a furnished unit that we're going to use for travel nurses. Wow. Uh, so that was, yeah, that was our first property. I don't know if that answered your question or not, but yeah, I just, I can keep going if you if you want. <laughs> oh yeah. I just want to touch points on a couple of bases that when you first started off, you already had your criteria of what you wanted, the market you wanted to go into, and it was very specific about what. So that I think believe, I believe helped you achieve so much so quickly because you was very detailed about what you wanted to achieve and so quickly you was able to achieve it, which is awesome. Exactly. Uh, continue on. So how did you get into it and how did you find it? You say you found it off of, from your broker from the meetup? Um, so that the quad I found was on MLS still, uh, but my real estate agent, you know, got me the information for it. Um, we went and toured it and, and, um, it, like I said, it was way overpriced, which is why it was still on the market. Um, so that's how we found that one. The second, uh, property I got, well, it's the second investment property was a triplex that was about, uh, 10 minutes away from here. And it was, um, how I found that one was I and right when this one came in the market, Redfin sent me an email alert saying, hey, like, it's came in the market for this price. And I was like, oh, shoot, like, you know, I just a quick analysis really quick. I use a 1% rule, which is, uh, you know, the 1% of the uh, the purchase price should be what you should be able to rent it for. And it was almost like one and a half uh, percent, per, you know, yeah. So I was like, oh, man, it sounds like a steal. Like, I, if we could get this locked down, this could be, you know, instant cash flow for us. So, um, so that it came out on a Monday, uh, Tuesday or came out Monday night, Tuesday afternoon. I went and actually looked at it, like just from the outside. And I told my real estate agent, like, Hey, I want information on this, you know, send me whatever. And then by Wednesday afternoon, she sent me all the info. I was like, Hey, like you need to put in your offer, like right now, cause there's already more offers in. Like, if you want to get it, you like need to go in now. So I was like, Oh damn. So, um, that was Wednesday afternoon, put in an offer, put in over asking, about six grand over asking, which is the highest highest uh, purchase price. And we ended up getting under contract. So 
uh, within 36 hours of that hitting the market, we had her under contract. Um, and even at the higher price, we were still able to able to cash a pretty good chunk of money off of it. Nice. So that was the second investment property. That one's a little more unique in that we used a joint venture or a JV to purchase that one. So um, I found two other, after I got under contract, it's found two other investors to um, basically provide the closing costs and the down payment to purchase that property. So, uh, you know, at, at the closing table, I didn't have any of my own money in, in the deal. Um, and I found these two partners to, to fund it. And, you know, we got it under contract, you know, purchased it, uh, closed on it. And, you know, we set up the deal where each person was going to get a certain amount of cash flow in equity based off of what their initial uh, capital contribution was. And I, and I put some money into renovations itself. Like I built a fence. Um, I had to pay for some wash and dry. So I put, ended up putting about 10 grand total into it. Um, but uh, yeah, so, you know, we ended up working everything out and I uh, got that uh, purchased about a month after the quad. So within, um, I guess, three months of, of really starting with real estate investing, went from having one property, which was uh, my single family home that I, I bought when I first moved here, to having eight units in about three months. So pretty quick timeline there, for sure. <laughs> wow, that's phenomenal. The power of just taking consistent action. Like you went, read a couple of books, you decided this being in the Navy for 20 plus years is not for me. So you decided to find a different career path. You found real estate investing and you took consistent action and gained results from it in a very quick time frame as well. That's phenomenal. So you mentioned the traveling nurses and your joint venture. Can we go back into how did you find the people from your joint ventures? Like where did you find them from? Sure. Um, so I, I think the key is, is how you present the deal. So um, we got the deal under contract and then I made a deal package for that property. So I basically put together um, an offer and memorandum for that. So I had an executive summary. I was like, hey, this is how old the property is. This is uh, what the renovations have been. This is a value add opportunity play on it. Um, you know, this is what it could rent for. This is how much potential cash flow it is. You know, this is how much your returns could be based off of what equity split you want to get. Uh, what the neighborhood's like, you know, what the property manager's like. So I basically put it together like I was going to find like investors for like a larger apartment deal, right? Um, and so I got the deal package together and I just went to a ton of meetups. Uh, I probably, after, that week after I got under contract, I probably went to seven different meetups across the area. And um, the first guy I met, uh, both of these guys are Navy, uh, by the way. Uh, first guy I met um, was off a bigger pocket. So what I had done was, uh, when I first got started in November, I made it a goal that I was going to meet a, a new person every day, connect with a new person on bigger pockets. And it was as simple as, Hey, like I'm getting into real estate investing. I'm in this area. This is what I'm looking at. These are the properties I have. Would you like to connect? And I would, you know, I would try to connect with the person locally each, each day. And, uh, my first investor was one of those guys that I talked with. And so, you know, I had, I had a hundred different people that I had lined up within my inbox. And I was like, okay, I just started, I essentially started uh, bigger pockets, messaging, blasting people saying, Hey, like, you know, I have a deal. Would you be interested in a JV? Like, these are the details, you know, let me know if you have any questions on it. And so I had a couple of people that were interested and uh, he happened to be one of them. And so uh, we happened to go to the same school and, you know, we had a lot in common. So had him over for coffee at my house. We talked and he was my first investor for 12 grand and on the deal. Wow, that is yeah. awesome. The power of networking, that's what I love about real estate business in general is a lot of people is focused on the numbers and the cash flow. That's cool, it's awesome. But 
to actually get a lot of stuff done quickly like you have is networking is the relationships you build like you you may set a goal one person a day very easily doable for anybody that's looking to get started one person a day and then the results that you achieve from afterwards phenomenal exactly so you mentioned earlier the traveling nurses and your airbnb the other rentals and what is mm -hmm. a traveling nurse uh so so um i guess i could should, yeah i'll explain that so there are about eight different hospitals within a 10 mile radius of my house um and so there's a lot of doctors and nurses that travel to different hospitals to fill it a void or a need so let's say um so my wife is also a nurse and her friend is a traveling nurse so she kind of gets she knows how difficult it is for travel nurses to find housing so let's just say that a particular department in a hospital is having a shortage of nurses uh you know someone had a baby someone's sick um you know it's a time of year where that department is particularly busy and so you know they have they need 10 nurses but they only have eight so they you know essentially cast out a net to these rental agencies and say hey like we need a travel nurse that fits this description to come in for three six nine months or whatever amount of time right and so the travel nurses go to these hospitals and they'll work there for a certain amount of time right and then in the meantime they live in you know a furnished apartment typically for a short amount of time um, but it's longer than you would typically see with an airbnb so you know it, it's just like i said travel nurses are nurses that travel to fill a, a gap in a hospital's personnel quota essentially and so um you know I, that was an untapped market i saw in this area is that there's a lot of people that move to this area looking for housing and there's a couple different sites that we use for that but um we can get a higher rent than we could if we just airbnb or if we just did long-term rental um like a normal long-term rental not not furnished so um there's a lot of a, a lot of draw to do travel nursing like you got a, a company that'll guarantee pay for it because it goes through the company the travel nursing company rather than the individual um they're typically not there a lot they're working long hours and they're very um they're typically very well kept so um you know it's it's there's a lot of win-win-wins with the situation with travel nursing um that really appeal to to this location specifically nice way to be understanding the market like you took awareness like there's a lot of hospitals and a lot of residents and nurses that could use it it's like the creative thinking to like how can we utilize this property better and you thought of the, the the traveling nurses and utilize that which is phenomenal and to have that stream be somewhat more higher than the airbnb or long-term nurses that's even a better resources like you said it's a win-win for everybody which is awesome exactly <laughs> so right now what are you focusing on right now like what is your current goal yeah so um so after we had those two properties uh closed on in february time frame um, I started looking into like thinking like larger, it's like why why buy these smaller multifamilies when I can get into larger buildings, like larger apartment buildings, you know, like 20, 30, 50, 100 units. Um, and what really kind of dawned on me is that I it takes the same amount of work to run this four unit, this quad, as it does to run a single family home, right? Um, but there's even more risk with a single family home or even a quad, right? If I if I have one eviction, I'm now at 75% vacancy, right? Or if I'm at one eviction with a single family home, I am making no money off it. It's 100% vacant, right? And then you got to go through all the costs and it just, it just takes a while to fill, fill that void, right? And so it just dawned on me, it's like, why would I put all this effort when I can just into smaller properties to eventually get up to 100 units total when I can just buy 100 unit, right? 
And so um, I started looking more into apartment buildings, uh, read a few more books, uh, got into uh, Michael Blanc's program, um, bought his course, uh, great course, by the way. Um, got a lot, a lot of benefits to it. Um, and uh, it just kind of opened my eyes to commercial real estate and multifamily investing. And um, started going to a lot of conferences, started looking at a lot of different properties, uh, went to LoopNet, you know, did a lot of underwriting, um, started establishing all these different relationships. And um, so now we've transitioned into the multifamily realm and expanded into the Kansas City, Charlotte, uh, Raleigh, and, uh, and kind of Hampton Roads areas. Um, so, but the first thing we did was just go to each of these markets and build our teams on the ground. So um, each of those cities, I have boots on the ground partners that can go look at a property uh, when I get them from a broker or I found an off-market property they can go take a look at. And uh, they can give me their honest opinion on it. And we have an alignment of interest because they are not only boots on the ground, but they're also partners in the deal itself, right? So they have a vested interest in this property being a good property, right? Or a good deal, right? And, um, and I think regardless of where you invest, if it's going to be in your backyard or halfway across the country, right, you have to have someone on the ground that can consistently go look at these properties, you know, and whether that is right off the bat when you get a property by a broker or when you actually have clothes on that property and you have a property management company running it so that they can go periodically check on it, right? Because especially if you're in the military or have a job that is time to, uh, you know, very time intensive, it's hard to get away on the, on the, you know, on a regular basis to go look at these properties, right? Whether that's monthly, quarterly, whatever. And so it's, it's paramount to have those people on the ground that can go look at those properties for you and kind of give you a situational awareness of what's going on with them, right? And because um, it's one thing to be able to remotely do a lot of this work, which you can, like there's LoopNet, you can go to Google Maps, you can do apartments.com, you can figure out all the comps for it, you can talk with property managers, right? But at the end of the day, like, you know, I, I'm from Kansas City originally. Like, I have a pretty good understanding of, of generally of the area, but I can't get down into the nitty gritty details of like, this street is bad, you know, a street over is good, right? Um, or this apartment has historically had, you know, this gang problem. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know that because I'm not there. Like, I'm not, you know, in the weeds and talking with people and talking with locals and have that understanding, right? So, um, you know, it really is, is paramount. I think it's almost a necessity to have someone on the ground um, whether they are actually a partner or not, going to look at these properties. So that's the first thing I did is um, I, you know, I, I looked at real estate investment groups in the area that I was looking at. So Kansas City, um, I've joined a number of different Facebook groups, uh, real estate investment Facebook groups, um, met a, talked with a whole bunch of different brokers, uh, started networking with people uh, through bigger pockets that were local. Again, kind of did the same thing. So I just reached out to people who were local to Charlotte, Raleigh, Kansas City area, and just started connecting with them saying, hey, like, you know, I'm interested in this. These are my criteria. Would you be interested in partnering up on, on something? And um, yeah, so I just started establishing all those relationships, started uh, interviewing a lot of different property managers, started talking with brokers, got my, my whole broker prompt and kind of uh, cold calling script set up for myself. And um, yeah, I just kind of repeated that over and over and over again. And it just got, I got a lot better at, at talking with, with brokers and establishing those relationships. And, and I think that that's really key in really any business that you do. You know, I, um, I went to a, a conference the other, uh, about a month ago, a Rod Khalif conference. And uh, one of the things that really stuck with me, what he said is that business is two things, it's people and processes, right? So if you can establish those people, those right people in the right places, and you can establish the processes to make them streamline and you know, have all the gears and the lines that go from contract to closing, and all that can be as automated as possible, then you're going to be golden right? 
And, but it takes time to find the right people. It takes time to get all these processes set in place, right? But I think if you're truly dedicated to your cause and you truly have a passion about it, like you will make it work. You will find time for it. You will find the right people for it. You will find the right processes for it. And you'll get everything in line to, you know, drive your own success. And I think that's, that's absolutely key. And it really just comes down to people and processes. That's really all it is. So I don't know if that answers your question or not. Definitely. There's main two things that you, the key points, peoples and processes, especially in any business, you got to have the team and process to do it, to achieve what you want, especially with the teamwork. Like, I love how you took the process you had from the single family in the quads and just duplicated it for a bigger scale for the multifamily. Just, I'm already done this, uh, networking with the brokers, with investors. It's the same process for a bigger scales. That's what a lot of people are afraid of when they think about going bigger is, I don't know how to do it. Just look at what you have already done and duplicate it. It is that simple and I love it. And I love how you set it up in different markets as well that you're potentially interested in just to have the boost on the ground because it is necessary to have a team wherever you think about investing in. I love it. Absolutely. And uh, in, in, and to your point, like I, I think a lot of people think that multifamily um, you know, whether it's smaller multifamily or large apartment buildings is kind of this like taboo thing that only the wealthiest of individuals with the most experience can get into. But, you know, I, I think it's, it's almost easier to, to buy an apartment building than it is to buy a single family home or a smaller multifamily. Cause when you're talking about, you know, larger apartment buildings, like you have a lot more people who have a lot more money that could put into these deals. And that, and I think that's absolutely key is you can use other people's money to purchase these properties. And it's not just using other people's money. It's like you're providing them incredible opportunities to buy a property and get a more stable tax-free cash flow than they could, whether their money's in the stock market or wherever they, they have their money, right? And you know, I, a lot of people don't really think about it like that. They don't think about that they can raise some money for it. Now, raising money is difficult. I will say that, like, you know, it's, you're not gonna raise $2 million the first day that you decide, oh, I'm gonna go buy an apartment building, right? It takes time. You got to find people. You got to got to get a track record. You got to get experience. You got to find people who partner with you have that experience if you don't. Right. But, you know, it's I, I like to say you got you have to have three things to get into real estate investing or really any business in general. You got to have time, money or experience. Right. You got to have at least one of those things. And if you don't and if you don't have two, uh, you know, at least three, if you only have one of those things. You can have a partner that can fill the other two. Right. So for me, you know, my thing that I have is time. I have a lot of time to go talk with brokers, analyze properties, make content, talk with uh, property managers, analyze deal. Like I can do all these things that take a lot, that are very time intensive and take a lot of time, right? So I can do a lot of the groundwork and a lot of the uh, hustling and running around and I can find people who have money to come into the deal. I can find people who have experience to come in and you know help manage the uh, renovations or the rehab or the actual uh, property management company for that, right? So, you know, I think that it's, that's key. Like if you have money, like it's very, it's really easy to get into multifamily, right? Or really any real estate investing in general. If you have the experience, like you can totally use that to help guide someone who may have the money and the time, found a great property and just don't know how to go, go about actually getting under a contract to getting at the closing, you know, all the due diligence of all, right? So just, you know, just kind of take stock of what you have. And if you have one of those things, you know, leverage that to find the other two, right? Um, it, it's really as simple as that. Um, exactly. And uh, it, you know, there, there's a few more benefits to it. Like it's, you're talking economy of scale. There's a lot less risk, let's say risk. There's a lot less risk associated with it, right? If I have one vacancy, that's one out of a hundred or one out of 50 rather than one out of one, right? 
Um, there's a whole bunch of ways you can make money off of it. Fees, cash flow, um, the depreciation is amazing off of it. Uh, that's why a, a lot of people get into multifamily specifically, whether it's the active side or the passive side, is the, is a big tax benefit from it. So, uh, so for example, I don't know if your listeners know what depreciation is, but uh, kind of a basic overview is um, a property depreciates much like a car does after you purchase it, right? So, you know, right when you purchase it, a certain amount is depreciating, whether that's the roof, the uh, flooring, appliances, whatever, parking lot, depreciates a certain amount each year, right? So let's just say that's $400,000 a year that depreciates, but you're only making $100,000 in cash flow. So on paper, it looks like you're in $300,000 in the hole, right? And so now you have, are making cash flow, even though you're making $100,000, you're actually in the hole on taxes, you know, $300,000. So that is essentially tax-free cash flow that you're getting off of that. And a lot of people don't, it, it's not money back in your pocket, but it's money you're saving on taxes that you don't have to pay, I guess, if that makes sense, right? And it's a little more complicated than that. And you can get into cost segregation analysis and a little more detailed than that. But, you know, it, there's just so many different benefits to it. You know, the fact that you can, a force appreciate a property like my hard work can go into renovating that unit i can raise the rent on it or lower the expenses now the property is worth even more like what like a lot of people just don't don't understand that side of it what is very different when you're talking like uh smaller multifamily or single family homes like it is very dependent upon the units around it or other properties that are similar to that you know similar kind of build layout the neighborhoods but with you know with apartment buildings you know i can buy something that is a really awful property for a million dollars, put a whole bunch of money into it, and now it's worth $2 million, right? And that's all for the hard work and the sweat equity that I put into it, and really kind of taking the challenge and, and finding a solution for that problem that it has, right? But it's really what it comes down to. As real estate investors or entrepreneurs in general, we're just problem solvers, right? So you'll find that problem, figure out, first of all, figure out what the problem is, because you may not fully understand what the full picture is behind it, right? You may not understand why the seller is motivated to sell or why this property is that only at 50% occupancy, right? And so kind of figuring out, okay, like what is the actual problem with this property? Okay, is it because, you know, it's got a really bad reputation? Is it because it has a CapEx issue? Is it because it's got a gang issue and like no one, everyone's afraid to live there, right? So like really understanding the problem and then understanding enough that you can provide a solution or find people to help you provide the solution, I think is, is key to really any business in general, but I think it's absolutely key to real estate. So be a problem solver. I think as a real estate investor, you have to be a problem solver. So true. As a real estate investor, like you mentioned, and as an entrepreneur in general, the whole point is to solve problems, to ease the pain for somebody else. And in result, you actually profit from it. Don't go straight into our make profit, but fix the solution, fix the problem first, and then you'll be uh, receive the benefits from it. Just like in properties, like you mentioned about uh, the properties, like one side of the street is a good neighborhood. Right across the street is a bad neighborhood. And I didn't really realize that until I actually start diving deeper into real estate myself and looking at bigger, larger properties. And it was so true. Right across the street is the worst neighborhood and the other side is the best neighborhood to be in. It is very phenomenal how detailed and how those subtle changes in the market could be that so detailed just by the street by street process is mm -hmm. phenomenal. Which is the pertinence of having a team. And the self-awareness, like you said, if you have one out of the three, you can still get into multifamily investing or real estate in general. Just like you said, partner. Everybody can't do everything. So you got to find a way to provide value for somebody else. Either you have the time, experience, or the money. There's 
somehow there's some way to be for you to be able to provide value for somebody else to get into multifamily investing. I love it, Anthony. I love it. <laughs> so you mentioned how you're raising capital, you're making with investors, you're looking at larger property investors. What is your five-year goal from now? Like what is your unit's goal that you're achieving for from now? Yeah, so um, so I'm heading to Japan uh, in about a month and we'll be there for about three years, my wife and I. So my goal is by the time I leave Japan and get out of the Navy, I will be uh, I will be financially free, right? I will have $10,000 worth of passive income every month coming in. Um, and whether that's with, you know, 200 units or 500 units, that, that my, my goal is the amount of cash flow, right? And so shorter term goal is I want to be able to close on a 50 unit by the end of the year. Um, by the next summer, I want to have a hundred unit under uh, closed on. And then by the end of the next year, I want to have 150 units. So by the end of, you know, this time next year, I'd like to have a hundred or 200 units under my belt and then just build up from there. You know, it's, just, it's, it's crazy. Like how quickly, once you get up to that, that realm of like that many units, like how quickly you start getting a lot more deals and, and everything just kind of flows together. Right. You get your name established, you get a brand set up for yourself. Like you have a proven track record. You know, you start making money for all your investors and now they just start coming back for more and more and more. Right. And, um, you know, and I think that's absolutely key. And, and Michael Blanc talks about this a lot as well as that it's a law of the first deal, right? As long as you get your first deal done, like, you know, the second, third, fourth, it all just kind of rolls downhill from there. It just all kind of picks up speed. And it's really, it's just getting that, that first deal out of the way to get the ball rolling to, you know, you know, figure out what you're doing, find partners, get a track record established and, you know, just get everything moving from there. And I think that that first deal is absolutely key to that. And so uh, that's what we're looking for right now is our, is our first large big deal that, that we're doing. So um, those are the ultimate goals. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily set on doing 5,000 or 10,000 units in the next five years. Like I know a lot of people that do that, that, you know, get like 2000 units in like three years incredible, incredible amount of hustle involved with that. Um, you know, I, I just don't know if I'm, if I'm ready at that point. Cause at the same time, like I want to be financially free, right? My goal isn't a number of units and to make a ton of money. Like I have a very set goal because I want to be able to get out, spend time with my wife, go travel, right? My, my husband's goal is to travel the world. I want to visit every single country in the world. I want to visit space. I want to have a, uh, essentially like a, a, a brewery bar or coffee shop and bookstore called uh, Pinto's Beans, Books and Brews. Like I have like all these different plans that I want to do that, you know, real estate is a, a vessel to get me to that point, a vessel to get me to be financially free. And I absolutely love this. I love talking about real estate. I love analyzing deals and talking with investors and, and getting kind of boots on the ground and walking properties. I love doing that. Right. But at the end of the day, like, you know, my ultimate goal is to be financially free, right? It is to make, have enough passive income coming in that I can transition into enjoying my life, enjoying my prime of my life. Right? Going and travel while I still have the opportunity to, you know, spending time with the family while I still have the opportunity to. Um, so those are ultimately what my goals are. Um, so, so we'll see what the next few years have in store for me. Uh, I think I'm going to be a little bit busier when I get to Japan, but uh, yeah, I'm still going to try to invest as much as possible still. I love it. I love how you mentioned how it's not the money that you're really for is the goal, your dreams, your ambitions that you're striving for. It's the same for me is I got into multifamily, not because of the money. I like the financial freedom that could provide is the goals I have set up for myself, not only for myself, but for my daughter and for like the community. Like I have community 
involvement ideas that I can't do yet because of the cost and the impact it can have. Like, okay, how can I provide this for these other people? And in the end, Mata Femi can help me because of like the economy of skill, the impact it can have is much larger and a bigger scale that it could have. So it trickles down from there. So that's is an awesome idea to just not focus on the numbers, but focus on your end results, your why, like the freedom. Like I've talked to people, other people on the podcast where they're let go from a job and they're like, now what? But with financial freedom, you're not what is, what do I feel like doing today? What do I feel like achieving for next week? That is your freedom. That's what people are striving for, which is phenomenal. Yeah, man. I like to, uh, so one of my uh, affirmations for my Miracle Morning is uh, I, I tell myself the more money I have, the more uh, opportunities I have to impact the world, right? Love and, um, you know, money, money is not the end goal. It is what I can do with that money. It's what I can, it's the organizations I can help. It's the people I can help. It's the lifestyle I can provide for my family and myself. Like that is the ultimate, you know, use of that money. And it just happens to be a vehicle to get me to what our goals are, right? But like I said, like, you know, the, the more, you know, the better off I am with the more money I have, the more money I can put into organizations, the more impact I can have on people. And I just think about that every day. Yep. Money, in my mindset, money is a tool, just like a hammer and a nail to build a house. You use money as a tool and it, the end result is phenomenal what you could achieve with it. I love it. So you mentioned uh, the Miracle Morning. What other books do you read or have a, had an impact on you? Through your your real estate career, um, yeah, I've uh, read a few a uh, few different books. Like I said, Rich Dad Poor Dad, Set for Life by Scott Trench are great. Um, I'm also reading uh, Joe Fairless's book right now, uh, the best ever apartment syndication book. Phenomenal read if you haven't read it. Um, it is it is it is it is laid out in such a fashion that it's almost like a step by step kind of guide to you know it, it talks about everything from starting off from nothing figuring out what your, what your criteria are, you know, figuring out what your markets you are and how to brand yourself from there. Like if you're starting from nothing, like how you start branding yourself and, and making yourself um, into the multifamily expert. And then for there, analyzing properties, getting them on the contract, how you do the diligence, like all of that, but it's very step-by-step. Step and that's what I love about it. Like as a submariner, like I really appreciate like operating procedures. I really appreciate like the processes, you know, the step-by-step -step instructions. Cause it's, that is, that is what I live by, you know, on, a, on an almost daily basis. Like we have procedures and instructions for literally everything, like step-by-step -step instructions for like how to write a memo, like how to do this particular, you know, evolution, like everything is very laid out. So that's what I really like about the book. Uh, Michael Block's book, uh, Financial Freedom Through Real Estate Investing. It's a great one. That's the one I started with. It got me into multifamily. Um, Raising Private Money by uh, Matt Faircloth is a really good one. I used that uh, a lot when I first uh, was finding investors for the triplex. Um, let's see what else do I have. Uh, Vinny Chopra has a really good book, uh, Apartment Syndication Made Easy. I have one that, that one down there. It's up, up next to read. Uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Great, great read. Um, it's just like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's like that quintessential you know, entrepreneurial read. Um, so those are, those are a number of books I'm in. I mean, I have a lot of different books that I've read since getting started with this. And, um, uh, actually it brings me up. Uh, so we, my wife and I started a blog, um, that basically chronicles our whole life from where we were with fledgling investor to now. Um, and the reason we started it is because that triplex right after we bought that triplex, 
two weeks after we closed on it, it got broken into and all of the appliances and all the heat pumps got stolen, right? So we had about $15,000 worth of damage um, and uh, within two weeks of that, right? And then insurance almost didn't cover it because it had been another week and a half after that had happened, it would have been vacant for a whole month and insurance wouldn't have covered it. So we were thank we were very lucky that insurance came in and like every actually covered everything. But it was just it was just a huge headache to have to deal with because now we had to get new appliances in and then we had to, you know, get everything fixed up and they blew a whole bunch of fuses and the air handles. Anyway, so it was a huge, a huge headache dealing with that. Um, there was a number of different issues that came up as we actually started running all these uh, uh like the air conditioning units and all that. There were a lot of corners cut by the contractor who, you know, redid this place. So we just had a lot of issues and, and it, um, for, it was like a lemon there for a while. So we started this blog cause people started, every time we went to a meetup, it was like, what's up with Carver, which is the, which is triplex is on Carver circle. So it asked what's up with Carver and we give them the latest update. And you know, it was, it was like a, a like a, um, like a sitcom. There's just like the, what's the newest episode for this week of what happened? Like what's the flavor of the week? So it was like, like, why, why talk to individual people about this when we can just, you know, kind of put it out to the masses and tell people about the issues we've had. Cause you know, I wish that I would have had all of these lessons learned. I wish that I would have had someone talk to me about, you know, the bad side of investing before I got into this. Right. Cause I would have had second guesses about this, this triplex was like going, looking back on it now, it was in a really bad area, right? It was by far the best property in that area. So it was, it was almost like a, a, a diamond in the rough in this area. And it was just like a beacon for, for, you know, people to kind of hone in on if, if they're looking to, to get into trouble in this property. So anyway, we started this blog and it just chronicles our life and our lessons learned that we got from that. And on that page, uh, we, I put in all the resources that I use, websites, podcasts, books, um, and uh, different people I talk to and use. And that's all on our, on our blog. It's called a rookierealestateblog.com. And it, it lays it all out there, uh, different resources we use. And it's very much uh, uh, oriented towards a first-time investor. Um, and, uh, you know, when I was first getting started, there was just a fire hose of information that I was, I was looking up, whether it was bigger pockets, all these podcasts, books. It's just like, where, like how do you absorb all of this information? Because it's just constantly bombarding you. And it's like hard to get started. So I, I, we really want to use that blog as a way to kind of guide the first-time investor to say, okay, like, you know, depending on what you want to do, these are the books you should probably start with, right? Because that's how I got started. Or these are the blogs uh, or the podcasts that we listen to or the websites that we use. And this is kind of generally how we went about getting into investing, right? Because I, I think that having a kind of a, a proven success track record and showing people how they can move through it, you know, a lot more easily than I did to start off with, um, I think it, it is, is paramount to people sticking with it, um, you know, a lot of people get into this and realize like, Oh, sh I don't know a lot. Like I don't have the knowledge. Like they just start doubting themselves. They have these limiting beliefs. Like, you know, I don't have enough money. Like I'm not smart enough to do this. Like I don't have the time. I don't have the experience. Like I don't have the education for this. Like I don't know the right people. I don't know how to raise money. And they just say like, and they have all of these, like I don't statements instead of like I do. And like, I have seen this proven before, like this person in the exact same situation, like someone who's in the Navy, still active duty doing this, right? Someone who doesn't have a lot of money to start off with doing this, right? Um, and so we, you know, we just kind of wanted to be like a, um, a paragon for people that have these self-limiting beliefs about what they can and can't do. And, you know, it, it just, at the end of the day, like, you just need to push past all that. Like, you just need to get your education, sure, like get smart, you know, know what you're doing. 
you know, get, you know, have enough credibility built up that you can talk to someone about what you're doing and what you want and what you want to go to, right? And just take action. It's really not just, you just got to take action, right? You know, if you have one of those gaps, like I said, money or experience, you can find people for that, right? It's not the end of the world if you don't have any of that and you can find a property under contract, right? But, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, definitely talk to someone about it, right? Don't go, you know, buy, don't find a property that you think is going to be the best property in the world that ends up being a limit, right? Um, cause you know, you want to get a property under your belt, like you're itching to get a property under your belt, like, you know, be smart about it. And if you don't know what you're doing, find someone that can help you. It can be a mentor for you, rather, you know, whether that's someone who's done exactly what you're doing or someone who is trying to do the same thing that you're doing now, like someone that's appeared to you. Right. You know, I, I think having that accountability is, is you know, key. And, you know, whether that's actually finding a mentor, like a paid mentor, whether that's, you know, just going to a meetup and helping someone that is senior to you, that is, you know, has a number of units that have done, that has done what you're doing and just adding value to their lives. Um, you know, whether that's joining a mastermind group or a Facebook group, whatever, you know, it doesn't have to be an official, um, you know, established organization or whatever. Just get somebody out there that, you know, knows what you're doing and surround yourself with those people that, you know, do nothing but support you, whether you're making a terrible decision or not, right? They'll, if they know what they're doing and they have a vested interest in you, they'll tell you it's a bad deal, right? Or they'll tell you it's a great deal, right? And they'll probably want to get on board with it. So, um, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, a lot of people say like you, you are the, you are the, uh, whole of the five closest people that you deal with. Right. And so if the five closest people you deal with have, you know, are constantly putting you down for wanting to do real estate or have no clue anything about real estate or don't care or are super unmotivated, and just, you know, spend their weekends watching Netflix, binge watching some show, like, you know, get those, you know, don't hang out with those people, right? If, if real estate investing or any entrepreneurial business is what you want to do in life, like you need to surround your, yourself with people that are constantly going to motivate you. They're constantly going to keep you accountable. That are constantly going to keep moving you forward and pushing you forward and, and push you to be the best, your best self. Cause that's the only way you're going to get ahead, right? Like, you know, I have days that are, you know, super unproductive. There are days that I'll be like, all I want to do is just lay on the couch after a long day at work and do nothing. But, you know, I have, I have grounded to myself and I have people who I talk to about on almost a daily basis about what I've do, what I'm doing and what I've done and like why I didn't do what I said I was going to do for that day. And like why I had all this time blocked out that I didn't do like, and my wife kind of helps me with that too. But like, I have people that constantly push me forward, that constantly keep me going. And if I didn't have that, like, I don't think I would be where I, where I am today. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's, that's absolutely key, whether you're going to be in real estate investing or in business in general, is having people who have the same interests as you and surrounding with those people that you know, are constantly pushing you to be your best self. Exactly. It's the power of, your team, your network, your influence, the people you surround yourself with is who you eventually will become. There was quotes I've seen on the internet is if you want to become a millionaire, hang out with millionaires. If you want to become a billionaire, you hang out with them because you eventually will pick up on what they do and then you start taking the same action. But like you said, you have to take action. When I first got to real estate, like similar to you, I was flooded with resources of information of how to make money real estate like you could buy notes you could fix and flip you could mm -hmm. the bird strategy i'm like which one do i start with then it's like like you said before is this that self-awareness of what am i skilled at what can i actually provide value to other people capitalize on that utilize that and then go from there but i love it anthony i love the 
value gave to the listeners, a phenomenal job, the stuff you accomplished so far and the stuff you set for yourself ahead of for you is phenomenal. And you're still active and then you're going across the country and you're still investing in real estate as well. That's, there's no more excuses for anybody to get into real estate. It's like, if there's a way, if there's a will, there's a way. Yep. That's how I see it. Exactly. So we could transition into my fire on. You already answered one of my questions, so we'll short it down to two. Okay. But I got two questions for you. Uh, the first one is, what is your like favorite snack, late night snack? Oh, favorite late night snack. Um, so there's a farmer's market um, that we have here on a weekly basis. And um, I, I try to go at a certain time because there's this little lady that always sells like her baked goods. And she's got her name's Annie and her, her, her company's name's Anointed Annie. And um, she has this banana pudding that is phenomenal. And I always buy her out of all her banana pudding. And um, I buy, honestly, I buy so much sometimes that I'm just like sick of it by the end of the week. And, uh, but yeah, I think that, you know, Anointed Annie's banana pudding at my local farmer's market is my, my late snack or my late night snack for sure. Awesome. Shout out to the Anointed Annie. For me, like similar to you, I, there's a farmer's market I try to go to on the weekends. They have the baked desserts. Oh my mm. gosh. I, so much trouble trying to eat baked desserts. I'm like, I can't help it. So. <laughs> Being an entrepreneur, real estate investor, we have busy days. And sometimes we just need to relax from the day, just unwind. What do you like to do to help you go, ah, at the end of the day? Um, well, honestly, like real estate is, my, <laughs> I, I hate to say real estate, you know, is is my my way to relax at the end of the day. Like I, I just, I enjoy doing this so much. I enjoy just spending time looking at properties and talking with people like that. That is my, my all relaxing time. Cause like I, I work at a W2 job and then my afternoons or my evenings are spent doing real estate. Um, but I think outside of real estate, um, you know, I, I have some Netflix shows that are my guilty pleasure. Um, I try to go do trivia, you know, once or twice a week. Um, I read a lot of books, you know, I go work out. Um, Honestly, I think a, a big part is just walk. I just walk my dog at the end of the day. Um, you know, whether it's 20 degrees outside or not, like just just getting out of the house and just getting away from from whether it's real estate or work and just you know, it just gives me time to think. It gives me time to unwind and relax. And and um, you know, whether whether uh, I'm constantly thinking about real estate or not, it, it also kind of gives me a a way to kind of. Go clear my mind and kind of be silent from from whatever's going on. Um, I think I think that's absolutely key is just having those kind of those rituals to just get out of your out of yourself and and just get away from real whether it's real estate or work and or family or just kind of you just kind of need some alone time to just decompress and and for me that's that's walking the dog. Awesome. We gotta have I call it my me time, like your self reflection mm -hmm. time, because everybody we're in a busy world now, especially as investors entrepreneurs we're in a busy role you gotta have your me time your personal time even if it's five ten minutes however long you're walking a dog or doing something just time to reflect there's nothing wrong with it you get gain like you say you gain a lot of clarity from doing something like that consistently right. as well this is awesome well anthony thank you for being on the show i greatly appreciate it can you let the listen listeners know how they can contact you 
Sure. Um, so you can find uh, more about us at our website, pintocapitalinvestments.com. Um, there's also a link to our blog on there as well. Um, and uh, it's, it's still in a work in progress right now. We're revamping the website, but you can definitely check that out. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, Pinto Capital Investments as well. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, LinkedIn. You can find me on, on all those different platforms in my name, Anthony Pinto or Pinto Capital Investments. Um, and then uh, you can also reach, reach me by uh, email, pinto.capital at gmail.com or anthony at pintocapitalinvestments.com. Any one of those methods. Awesome. I love it. That's, you mentioned LinkedIn. That's how we actually connected us through LinkedIn. I yeah. love using LinkedIn. It is a phenomenal tool. I'm trying to utilize more platforms, but LinkedIn is my favorite right now. Just got to put that out there. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I absolutely love LinkedIn. I think, you know, a lot of people talk about different social media websites and what to use. And I think that LinkedIn is kind of that untapped potential um, oh, yes. where you're finding a lot more people that are business oriented that have the, the same alignment of interest of you rather than people who are on Facebook to kind of watch cat videos or whatever. So um, I think it's a very unutilized resource. And yeah, and I, I'm definitely trying to take advantage of a lot more of, of LinkedIn for sure. So true. So true. Well, once again, Anthony, thank you for being on the show. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Anthony. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's definitely been a pleasure and I've enjoyed talking with you for sure. Oh yeah. Well, We'll stay in touch. For sure. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I greatly appreciate it. Leave us a review and rating on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Also share with a friend who might enjoy or benefit from the show. I want you to remember this. The knowledge you learned is useless until you take action upon it. Subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode. See you next week.